Welcome to the Her Inspired Journey podcast, a show all for women about living your best life and fulfilling your passions from the backcountry to the table. No matter where you are, what hurdles you faced, or where you want to go next, we're right here on this journey with you. It's time to take charge, pave your way, and create success. Hey there, welcome back to another episode of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. I'm really excited to bring this episode to you today because I finally was able to carve out the time with her schedule in mind to sit down and chat with Kayla Nevius. She's a lady who I followed on social media for quite some time now. She's always either fishing, hunting, enjoying the outdoors, or spreading a positive message. And that's one thing I really dig about this lady is her ability to look at different scenarios in life, whether they're good or bad or challenging, and see the best in all of those. She has a background in psychology and also works with kids to mentor them and to provide a better way and a better path for them. She's a powerful soul and somebody I really am honored to have had on the show. So I hope you dive in, enjoy today's episode, and I would definitely suggest reaching out to Kayla after this episode's over and giving her some feedback. She is spreading positive love in the world, and I'm sure she would enjoy the same back. Enjoy the episode. I also have to take a second to read a review of the week, and this one, again, is coming from iTunes. Before I dive into what this one says, I have to say this made me seriously smile. It's always great to hear the feedback from others and to know that I'm making a real connection with you. That to me means the world. So thanks to everybody that's taking the time to leave the review. This one says addicting in the best way from Blackbird 3. It says, what can I say that hasn't already been said? I found this podcast after meeting Courtney at a ladies archery fitness seminar at G4, which I just happened to stumble upon on Instagram. For one, the class was so fun. It was challenging, upbeat, and invigorating. I was completely shocked by how well I did under pressure. Since then, and after starting this podcast, it's all I can think about. Courtney's words are raw, authentic, thought-provoking, and heartfelt. I look forward to hearing about her thoughts, experiences, and her advice every day. I love being exposed to all of these amazing ladies and guy. The episode with Stephen was great also who are doing these incredible things in the world of hunting, fitness, and just living life to its fullest. Very inspiring and very addicting. Love everything about it. Keep it up, lady. Well, your words mean absolutely the world to me, and I can't tell you how much they continue to inspire me to give to you. So whatever you guys are wanting to hear about, the questions that are burning in your hearts, please let me know because those are the topics I want to touch on the most. I also want to make sure that you guys are subscribed to the show. So if you haven't already, please press the pause button and make sure you head over and subscribe wherever you listen. This will make sure that every week you get the first updates when a new episode goes live or bonus episodes come out. This will keep you in the loop with what's going on and make sure you're always getting the content that you're looking for. You can definitely be a part of the growth of Her Inspired Journey by taking a screenshot of the episode that you're listening to today or your favorite episode and share it on social media. Be sure to tag Her Inspired Journey and share this mission that we're on together with others. I want to give a special shout out and thank you to a supporter, a big supporter of the Her Inspired Journey podcast. That's Maven Built Optics. 
They are changing the game when it comes to bringing premier products in the way of binoculars, spotting scopes, and rifle scopes to the market at a consumer direct price. This means that they get to compete with the top of the top companies, but they get to bring it to you at a fraction of the price. Their newly released C3 and their new spotting scope, their ultralight spotting scope, is awesome. So be sure to head over to mavenbuilt.com and check out what they have going on right now. Well, welcome to the show. I am talking with Kayla Nevius. She's down in California, and she's a chick that I find highly motivational. I've uh, kind of just kept tabs of what she's doing now for quite a while, from archery hunting to being in the boat fishing, and you know she's got um, a lot to do in the gym. She definitely has a passion for fitness. So welcome to the show today, Kayla. I'm excited to have you on. Hi, thanks, Courtney. I'm excited we finally got together to meet up. It took us a little bit. We had quite a few back and forths. Actually, I think it's going on a couple months now at least where I'm like, how about now? And you're like, how about now? And, you know, it's just life gets so busy. And I know that people say all the time, like, I'm so busy. But I think uh, we don't really, like, qualify how busy we actually are until you're trying to just have a simple meetup with something, you know, or with somebody and it's just like, it just can't happen. (laughs) I totally agree. We both keep ourselves so busy and, you know, we do that on purpose. It's a very conscious thing. So I think it's good that we're making the most out of our time, but I'm just glad that we, we got a chance to get together for this. Yeah, for sure. So why don't you give us a little backstory on who you are and just kind of a little bit about your life and what you do and what you enjoy doing. Wow. Um, I'm Kayla. I pretty much short and sweet. I, my life just revolves around hunting and fishing and fitness. And so, um, Like you mentioned, I'm from California, born and raised here. I live in a tiny little town um, with a lake surrounded by tons of mountains with just public land everywhere. And so there's a lot of hunting opportunity, a lot of fishing opportunity. Although um, most of it is public, there aren't like a whole lot of animals here. So it's definitely um, challenging to be successful on the hunting side of things, but I enjoy the challenge and I'm just grateful for the, the land that we have to be able to explore just endlessly. Um, fitness, I started lifting a few years ago and it's just been so great for me. Um, I remember my first time in the gym, I had no idea what I was doing, um, but being able to learn uh, the different ways to take care of your body and build different muscles has just been awesome, along with the the food and the eating side of things has also been um, really cool. I just, all together, um, the hunting, fishing, fitness, it's just like, those are things that I'm passionate about, um, and being able to take care of myself, my body, my mindset, you know, just being physically and emotionally happy and healthy. Um, and that's super important. And then for work, um, I work in mental health. I have my degree in child, adolescence and family studies with a minor in psychology. So I've been a counselor, a probation officer, a teacher, Um, I'm currently a uh, recovery coordinator, so I do 
substance abuse groups along with anger management groups, and I also do individual counseling, but I'm soon going to be moving back over to being a correctional officer at the same uh, facility I'm working at now. I work at a all-boys juvenile correction facility, so yeah, I'll still be up there, but just kind of on the other side of things, and I'll still be able to use my uh, mental health background to be able to reach these uh, kids and and try to help them have a better future. What you're doing is so powerful. And there's just, you know, there's a lot of people who have jobs that are, you know, they're, they're doing big things and they're doing great things. But when I see people doing the things that you do, I'm like, thank you, because <sighs> the world needs so much of that. And I think when it comes to like, veterans or mental health or children there's so so much that's lost there there's so much that gets overlooked and um you know it takes a really big heart and a drive to you know your job isn't easy I can only imagine with the small amount of youth mentorship I do at my job it's uh it takes a toll and it's very it's a difficult place to be because sometimes you almost feel like your hands are tied and oh, yeah Um, so thank you very much for having that heart that serves to give back to those kiddos and to give back to the community. So what, when did you ever like realize that psychology and counseling and the mental aspect, mental health side of things was really where your heart's passion was? So it's kind of funny when I was in high school, I was like, I, have no idea what I want to do in college. You know, you're making these plans and you're thinking about going to college. And I was like, I have no idea what I want to do. And so my mom, who is a psychologist, actually, she has her doctorate in psychology. So I kind of had a little background in that. Um, She had me make a list of things I'm passionate about and, you know, hunting and fishing and photography and all these things were on there but also working with kids. And that was as general as it was, was working with kids. I knew I liked working with kids. So I made this list. I went off to a junior college and I just took my gen ed classes. I would fit in some, some courses that, you know, interested me like photography. Um, and I also played soccer there. And when it was time to graduate after my two years, I was like, I still have no idea what I want to do. You know, like I figured at this point I would know. And, um, so I decided to apply to one university still had no idea really what I wanted to do. I got accepted. I, um, went to the, you know, first day and they're like, Hey, you need to pick your major. And I was like, what? Like I was kind of freaking out. So I went back and I made a new list and kind of on the top of it was just working with people. I want to work with people. I want to help people. And so I actually, my degree in child adolescence and family studies was actually a teaching track. So it was focused on more teaching based stuff. We did a lot of observations in classrooms and stuff like that. And I thought I wanted to be a teacher. Well, once I got to, um, you know, I did my schooling for those two years and I took a lot of psychology classes and I just loved the psychology. I, those were my favorite classes, anything that had to do with kids and adolescents and their development and the psychology behind it just totally filled me up. And so, um, when I graduated, I decided that I wasn't going to go back and get my credentials for teaching, um, which is kind of ironic because I did end up teaching for a year, <laughs> but, um, 
Yeah, so I just love those classes so much. I was very, very, very lucky to get a job using my degree. Like a month after graduating, I was a counselor. I did at-home visits for youth, and it was just the most amazing job in the world. I, I felt like I found my purpose in life. Like that was, I was so passionate about it. I love seeing my clients and, you know, they looked forward to seeing me and it wasn't, I didn't care about my paycheck. I didn't even know when payday was. So that was when I really knew like, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Like at some point in my life, no matter what, I'm going to be working with kids and helping kids. So yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. What an evolution to and and just to have that beginning where it kind of like seems like it all just kind of like flowed into where you are now. And Oh, definitely. So, I send out all of my guests a questionnaire just to get to know a little bit more who you are like roots in the ground. And one of my favorite things from the questionnaire and actually yours was just beautifully. It was like I was reading like a biography about your life and it was just such a fun read. But Aww. when I said, what do you do for a living? Your very first response was, I make the most out of every day. And yeah. that for me, I actually stopped what I was doing. I walked out of my office and I went over to Steven and I was like, this chick is awesome. Like, I appreciate that so much because, you know, you could have just gone right into all of the huge things that you were doing. But first and foremost, it sounds like, you know, to me and, and from what I know about you, you truly do just try to approach every scenario and every day, whether you're getting rainbows or whether you're getting storm clouds, you're always just trying to make the most out of what you have. And I with your background, obviously, like there's a lot of mindset that comes into that. So talk a little bit about how you play into that and how you can get yourself, even if you're not having a good day or if you're not enjoying where you are, how you continue to try to make the most out of that. I think our time is so important and so valuable. And honestly, it started when I was in just a really toxic relationship. It lasted for a long time. And I spent a lot of my time not living. I was kind of just going through the motions of life. I wasn't happy. I was sitting on the couch watching TV all day. I mean, I would literally sit in the doorway with the door open and just look outside because I wanted to be out enjoying my life. And once I broke that, I just completely you know, let myself live. And it felt so good. And it, I kind of felt like I was making up for lost time. Mm -hmm. While doing that, I realized that so many people are just going through the motions, but they're not actually enjoying life. And time is something that we can't get back. I mean, that there's a limit on that. So every day I try to have something that I'm doing that I like to do that makes me happy, that's good for myself, you know, even if I'm super busy and I have a crazy busy work day or, you know, between work and chores at home or whatever, I try to set aside some time where I can at least go for a little hike or go to the gym or hit the lake on the way to work for a half hour or whatever it is. Um, just make the most out of my time because, I mean, what is life if you're just going to work and you're not happy and especially all the people that don't enjoy their jobs in the first place? But, um, yeah, I just think it's so important to, to just make the most of, of every day and look at it as an opportunity when you wake up to, to do what you want to do and not just get trapped with going through the motions and, you know, just not actually living. 
Yeah, having those outlets and resources for being able to like refuel your body and refuel your mind is really important. And kind of going back to that whole busy thing, which, you know, most of us are or at least claim to be or, you know, feel like we perceive that from our lives, whether it's just maybe not in time management or truly our schedules are that full. I think sometimes we really do overlook the necessity, like we have to have something that contributes to our well-being. And when we don't, I think that's when the things tend to, you know, spiral more downhill and we start to feel a little bit more of that doom and gloom kind of come in. Or then when we're approached with different scenarios or situations, it's hard to like look at that through like rose colored glasses, you know, like going, oh, but it'll be okay. Or this is just a little speed bump or whatever. It's much harder to process, you know, some of that kind of like turmoil stuff, if you will, that comes in. If you're not taking time for self-care or, you know, exercise, movement, outdoors, um, downtime, any of those things, I think it's, it's really important. So it sounds like for you, you kind of had that revelation going through, you know, a relationship that wasn't very good that, you know, you kind of needed to, to bring yourself back in from. And I think that's a, a good way to look at it. Like, okay, what, what can I do to give back to myself and to my mindset and, you know, making sure that I'm happy. But I know that a lot of people know that, like, it's one thing to know something and it's another thing to apply. And I'm sure that you see that a lot. How, mm-hmm. how do you, so if I'm st- sitting in front of you, Kayla, and I'm like, I know these things, I know I have to do it, but it just seems like my schedule's too busy. I don't know where to fit it in. Like, how do you make a, like a list of somebody or top ways for them to prioritize actually making this habit? Is it through scheduling? Is it through, uh, you know, pre-planning these meetings with people? What what do you typically find is kind of that breakthrough for them in, in making sure that they have that self-care time? I definitely think scheduling is a big part of it. If you have someone just write down their daily schedule and... I mean, everything that they do during a day, whether it's looking on Instagram or checking emails, watching TV, sitting on the couch, whatever it is, any time, and you have them actually write it down, usually it'll kind of open their eyes and they'll be like, wow, I could have, you know, spent less time on Instagram or I could have woken up 30 minutes earlier or, um, you know, there's usually time. I feel like people most of the time aren't as busy as they think they are. And even myself, I feel like I keep myself very busy. I make time for things I love every single day, but I could be doing more. And you can do more. It's just how bad you want it. And taking care of myself is super important. I mean, I leave work every day to take a walk by the river for my lunch break because I just love it. It Mm -hmm. just makes me so happy, you know? So, um, I feel like there's there is time and that can't be an excuse to at least find something that makes you feel good even if it's just going to get a cup of coffee on your your break or on your way to work or whatever whatever it may be. Yeah, that's huge. And I actually did that exercise a couple of years ago. It might have even been close to 3 years ago now, but Um, I was kind of in the middle of rebranding my business and wanting to kind of not change direction, but add some more specific elements in that I was really passionate about. 
And I kept just feeling like, not that I was super busy, but I just knew I wasn't like in a place where like, I know what I needed to do. Just like I was kind of saying, I, I knew what I needed to do, but actually following through and doing it, there was like this void. There was like this, this negative space between for some reason I know, but I can't take action. And so I said, okay, for um, the next 48 hours, I'm going to write down, I have this little journal. I'm going to write down everything I do, like even to the minute, you know? So it was like, wake up, brush teeth, you know, Instagram, email, kids, you know, all of these different things. And so for 48 hours, I wrote it all down. And at the, like, even like halfway through this, um, this challenge to myself, I was like, oh no, (laughs) it's me. (laughs) Like, I'm just not using my time wisely because whether, you know, it's like three or four minutes here or two or three minutes there, it adds up to being a substantial amount of time that you can invest in something else. And yeah. I have one of those mindsets and I used to be super bad at this at not being able to differentiate being busy versus being productive. And I'm somebody who thrives like my heart beats off of being productive, off of being successful. And when I'm not, I get into like a really negative kind of space where I'm like, well, what am I even doing? Am I even giving the right ways? Am I doing what I should be doing? So I was kind of filling a lot of my time up with like going through my inbox and making sure everything was good and, you know, just sending Mm -hmm. foo-foo-y things that just didn't need to happen just to be busy because I felt like that would make me productive. And it, all it did was burn me out. You know, I didn't, my cup wasn't full from it. I was just literally exhausted. And so even now I'm actually getting into this the clever fox. And I think that you commented on my Instagram story the other day because I got this journal. I did. Yeah. So it's like a daily planner slash journal slash guide. And it talks about um, goals like short term and long term, talks about habit changes. And it actually has a way to track all of that. So you can like it's easy to set a goal or to talk about something you want to achieve or like journal something like affirmations or things that you're grateful for. And then all of a sudden, just like the switch gets flipped and you that goes right out the window. But this is kind of like a self-guided method to making sure that you're staying on track in those areas. And I'm really excited for me because number one, I want to make sure that I'm using my time wisely because for me, time is more valuable than money. It's family, it's memories, it's experiences. And so if I'm not using that wisely and then when my kids, you know, come home from school and I'm having to, you know, sit down and be at my desk until midnight, like that's on me for not prioritizing yeah. that. And then in those scenarios when that's happening, that I'm losing myself, um, you know, awareness, you know, not getting my, sure. my fitness and stuff in. So do you do something similar as far as kind of blocking out your time and being really intentional with where you're spending your, your hours and your days? So I have a planner, like I, I commented on your story. I was looking at that planner. I almost got it. I ended up getting a different one. Um, mostly based on formatting, but it also has monthly goals, uh, monthly reflection and weekly goals. It has you list your priorities, um, as far as personal priorities, work priorities for the week. And I even, it has an open space on it, which I love because I make my own checklist. So like Mm -hmm. you were talking about, you know, you know that you need to do certain things, but actually incorporating them is difficult. So when I first started adding, you know, I knew habits, 
onto my checklist, I would say, you know, this week I'm going to focus on drinking a gallon of water a day. And so I would put that on my checklist and I would say, I need to at least try to get this five days out of the week. And I would just keep track. And actually having a visual like that is so helpful Mm -hmm. because because it's a visual goal. It's not just, oh, I'm saying it. It's a constant reminder. And um, I think I'm also the same as you. I use sticky notes for everything. So I always have sticky notes also in my planner kind of guiding me along. But um, yeah, I'm very, right now my schedule and part of the reason why I'm changing my uh, job back to being a, a juvenile corrections officer is because I loved the shift work. Um, I mean, no matter what shift I was working, I had a lot of time during my day to do the things that I love. So right now I'm working eight to five and it's been really difficult to make time for the things I love because work takes up a big chunk of the majority of my day. And so, you know, I had to make a conscious effort to be like, okay, I'm going to wake up earlier every day so I can go to the gym. Mm -hmm. So I go to the gym early before work I work all day. And then when I come home, I already have a plan of either I'm going for a hike or I'm going fishing, you know, or I'm going to visit my grandparents. Those are my three (laughs) between between hunting, fishing, fitness and visiting my grandparents. Those are my my three priorities and and ways that I keep myself busy. So, yeah, every day, no matter what, I'm doing one of those things. There's no time where I'm like, oh, when I get home from work, I want to just sit there and watch TV. Like, I don't even have TV. But, (laughs) um, yeah, I think it's very important to – and if you need to, a lot of times when you're just beginning and trying to kind of change your your lifestyle, because that's what it is, it's a lifestyle, um, you need to – make a plan for that. Say, okay, today after work, what am I going to do to be productive in, and a lot of people won't think hunting or fishing or hiking is productive, but it is because it's taking care of yourself mentally and physically. Um, and like you say, refilling your cup. And I just love that because it's so important. And I don't think enough people are taking advantage of the fact that they can do that themselves. Yeah. And, and we do have that power. It's whether we choose to do something with it or not. Exactly. I think that's so important because um, I think that a lot of people who are unhappy with their work situation or where they live or no matter what it is, people just need to realize that they have so much power over certain things. We don't have power over everything, but... And if we don't have power over it, then we have the mindset to accept it and and look at things on a different level, you know, Mm -hmm. to be more positive about it. But, um, you know, we we have an opportunity to go and take advantage of our time. And if, you know, you just have to make make the effort. For sure. Are there common, like, what are the most, like, used or fallen onto excuses or um, negative habits that you find that will keep people from you know, implementing those positive reinforcements? Um, the biggest excuse I would definitely say is time. Like we already talked about, a lot of people think that they, you know, I don't have the time or, you know, when my, when, when my Instagram first started getting bigger, a lot of people would be like, Oh, you're so lucky. Um, you're so lucky you get to do this every day, or you're so lucky you don't have to work. And I'm like, 
Um, <laughs> I work full time, but you know, I just, I choose to live in a place where I can do things close to home. I don't have to drive, you know, farther than an hour to go do something. I can drive five minutes to the lake or two minutes to the mountain and start hiking. So I think, um, time is definitely a big one. And let's see, man, I've heard so many excuses. I just, I don't allow myself to have excuses, Mm -hmm. but, um, and I think that's key because, you know, I, I say this all the time. We all have excuses. Some of us choose not to use them. Because there's going to always be something that can come up, that can be in the way, that can, you know, shut us down. We can go based on mood. And if you go based on mood, how often do things really, you know, get done? For a lot of people, Mm -hmm. not very often. So it's like, don't have these negotiations with yourself that determine whether you're going to follow through with what you said you were going to do based on how you feel about it. Because, you know, we don't feel the same when we're setting a priority or setting a goal or packing our gym clothes because we're going to hit, you know, a workout after work, we don't feel the same then in the planning of it as we do when that moment of truth comes to be. You know, there's always this process where you go, well, Courtney, I probably could do this other thing or, you know, some downtime would be really nice. And so once we start getting into that, the habit of the negotiations within ourselves, I think we can talk ourselves out of doing a lot of the things that we set out to do. Yes, getting up early and going to the gym is one of those things because it's not like I wake up and I'm like, yes, I'm up so early and I get to go to the gym right now. Like most of the time I'm like, okay, you just got to go, just get your stuff and go. And then after I work out, I feel so good and I feel like I accomplished so much and my day is just beginning. Like people are just starting to wake up Mm -hmm. and that's how I feel, you know, when I get to the top of a mountain and the sun starts to rise, it's like people are sleeping right now they're missing out on so much. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just so important to take advantage of that time. And, um, while you were just saying that also something popped into my head. So, and it kind of just has to do with mindset and making yourself go and do something, um, because it's good for you. And so before my great grandpa passed away, he would go and sit, he had a shop, a woodworking shop, and he would go and sit in there And I would be like, hey, what are you doing? And he'd be like, oh, just, you know, sitting, kind of tinkering around. He'd mess with little pieces of wood or whatever. Maybe build a little something here or there just because. And he was 93 years old, keep in mind. (laughs) And he, one day he was like, you know, I could either sit in the house and be in pain or I could sit out here and be in pain. Either way, I'm in pain. But when I'm out here, I'm doing something that I love to do and I'm outside and I get to, you know, mess around with wood and stuff. And if I'm inside, I'm just going to be depressed and miserable. And that's something that just stuck with me, because even if you are having one of those days where you just feel like you can't do anything, whether you're in pain or you're sick or whatever, it's like, just go outside for a minute. I used to drive to the lake and just sit at, sit at the lake for an hour just because it's good for you. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's such a great perspective to have. And I think, you know, it's, it's so amazing to be able to have those moments of clarity in life with those wise old souls. You know, um, my grandma was the same way and there was just so much that I wish I could sit down now and just like, hear her speak on, you know, because 
the the mindset of those other generations were so much different than the mindset that we all have now. And it's a breath of fresh air to be able to hear, you know, that perspective. And it, it's so true. You know, I think that we can all look at that and go, yeah, you're absolutely right. You know, it's, it's what you choose to take out of the situation that is going to determine what you get to do in life. And Definitely. when I was just on my last, this last trip in, in Colorado, and I know I've touched a little bit on this, but it's like something that I'm so passionate about because like you, I've had people, you know, comment on social or even in person, they say like, oh, you do have a real job. And I'm like, <laughs> yeah, actually most of what I do is work, but thankfully I'm so passionate about my work. It doesn't come across as a job. You know, I get mm-hmm. to travel and I get to do these things. And so when I was in Colorado, um, I think I averaged maybe three hours of sleep a night and um, I flew into New Mexico and then drove up through Colorado, blah, blah, blah. Anyways, mm-hmm. you know, I was my Instagram stories are typically something where I really like to just show people like what's going on and, and you know, look at this road or look at this beautiful area that I'm in or, you know, this, these new topics that I'm learning or whatever the case may be. And everybody's like, oh my gosh, like you are so incredibly busy. Like you've been everywhere on this trip. And truth mm-hmm. be told, my driving force for that was I'm here and there's wherever you end up in life, there's always somewhere else you could be. And mm-hmm. so for me, that other place I could be was at home with my kids. So if I'm on the road for work and if I'm in a different area, I'm going to, I'm going to, to some degree, deprive this sleep area of my life so that I can be soaking up every moment that I'm there because there's always sacrifice of something that you're missing out on, whether it's good or bad or, you know, indifferent. You know, I think making the most out of what you have and knowing that life is short. And I'm not saying quit sleeping so that you can just start doing more things, but I'm definitely saying be intentional with where you are and, and not taking advantage of, um, the time that you're given. For sure. I saw that on your stories and I saw that you were just trying to pack in as much as you could on that trip and see as much as you could and hike. And I was like, that is so awesome because think about how many people travel and they don't see anything. They go to their destination and then they're there and then they leave. And, and I've been on trips myself where I definitely could have seen more of the state that I went to, but I just saw one little portion because I didn't, you know, take the initiative to explore. For sure. I think I'm actually going to make this a yearly thing because I definitely crashed hard. Uh, at the end of the trip, I was exhausted and I took a couple days of downtime afterwards, but I was like on fire. Like my soul was so lit up and so excited and, you know, getting up at four in the morning to drive, you know, 400 miles. I was just jamming out and I felt so good. And I was so excited just to be wherever I was at that moment. It for me was uh, more of a cup filler than I even imagined it would be because I don't I haven't traveled, you know, I haven't done a bunch of like road tripping by myself. But I'll tell you what, it did a lot of really good things for my heart and my soul. Oh, yeah, that's awesome. So kind of switching gears here, I want to talk about hunting. And obviously, I've never hunted in California. It's not something I'm familiar with. Um, I'm not even totally sure about like your public land versus private land and how much access you guys have to hunting. 
Um, but I want to just kind of talk about, I know that there's a lot of kind of crazy laws down there and lots of regulations <laughs> that you guys have to deal with, um, their hunting in California, but, um, do you hunt other places or do you just hunt in California? So my whole life, I pretty much just hunted California. A few years ago, I traveled to Missouri and I was only there for like four days trying to hunt whitetail out of a tree stand. It was a completely different thing that I was used to. Um, here in California, it's all public land, spot and stock. So it was totally different. Um, I didn't get one while I was there, but it was, um, an awesome experience to be able to see how different whitetail hunting was and to have the property owners kind of explain to me how much work it takes to prepare for the season and to get their, you know, private land, um, ready with their fields and beans and all this stuff. So I kind of, I gained an appreciation for private land hunters and tree stand hunters that I never really had before because I didn't understand. Mm -hmm. Um, so that experience was awesome. And then the last couple of years I've gone to Arizona and hunted just an over-the-counter archery tag. Um, I wasn't successful either year. This year, actually, I have stories for days of every little thing that could go wrong that did go wrong. And it was definitely a learning experience and a challenge on a whole new level. Um, <laughs> and then I also hunted... Missouri or Minnesota, sorry, Minnesota this past fall and whitetail hunting again. And I actually shot my first whitetail. So that was awesome. It was freezing. Um, <laughs> I can tell you, um, I'm not much on tree stand hunting. I definitely prefer the freedom of the public land and spot and stock being able to hike for miles and, and find something. So Yeah. That's awesome. So one of my questions is, how do you, you know, it's hard hunting in an area. So I've lived in Oregon my entire life. I've hunted here. So there's a lot of this area that I know that I'm familiar with or that I've actually been on the ground and hunted. But when it comes to like looking at other places where you want to like go out of state and you want to hunt for elk or you want to hunt whitetail or hogs or whatever, I think it can be pretty intimidating to try to figure out like, how all of that works, where I'll go, what the units or what their draws or zones are like. So do you have any specific recommendations for, you know, trying to figure out getting into another area in another state to hunt? So my whitetail hunts were private, private land. Um, you know, I was invited by the landowners, their friends. So it doesn't really, that doesn't apply to those places. And I feel like a lot of states are kind of like that. Um, as far as whitetail hunting, at least. Um, and then I also did go to Texas last year to Kendall's ranch and shot a pig there. So that was cool. But once again, that was a, a ranch. So in Arizona, we did a lot of research. We, you know, spent so much time reading everything we could online and asking people on Instagram and listening to podcasts and just anything we could do that if it had to do with mule deer hunting in Arizona, <laughs> we tried to read and listen to every single thing that we could. Um, and so that's pretty much what we did. And then we just studied maps and we 
you know, looked at the maps, looked at the terrain, look at the elevation. And this last time that we went, we actually brought, I have a little tiny travel trailer that my great, great grandpa built like in the forties and I restored it. And we took that this time. And so we were actually able to be more mobile with that, which was awesome because last year we were staying in a hotel. So we were in one town and we were kind of, you know, stuck to hunting there. And so this year it was, it was pretty eye opening because we ended up staying a lot longer than we were planning on staying. Um, and the first few days we saw a lot of does, but only a couple bucks. And like, it was, it's so crazy because here in California, like if you see a few deer during a day, you're like, wow, we saw deer. <laughs> There's just not a whole lot. And so when we were in Arizona and we we're like, wow, we saw like 25 deer today, but there was only like two forkies out of all those. And, um, so we kind of had to change our, our thinking a lot because we just weren't used to seeing that many deer in the first place. Um, so we ended up moving to a different spot and that spot we saw a lot of bucks and it just, it had a lot to do with, you know, listening to the podcast we did and getting that info. So we knew what, what zone we wanted to hunt or what unit they call them units in Arizona. Um, and having the flexibility of an archery only tag was definitely also nice because that gave us more freedom to kind of, uh, move around and explore different units so we could go check something out for a couple days and if we weren't seeing anything promising then we could go try something else so yeah I think that's part of the reason why we stayed longer was because we just wanted to find them and we wanted to find we finally found a handful of bucks and I stalked I don't even know how many and I mean I would even get 15 yards away 20 yards away something but the terrain just was very difficult so either you know I could get that close and I still couldn't see them or I would get kind of close and there would be a bush in the way or a tree in the way or a stick or whatever it was so we finally were like okay we're seeing a lot of bucks here and I've had a lot of stalks but this terrain just isn't being, it's not productive. So we eventually just went and tried somewhere else and the terrain was so much better. And although we weren't seeing as many bucks, we were seeing bigger bucks actually. And, um, we ended up running out of time, <laughs> but yeah. Man, it's so hard to get over there in an area that you're not familiar with. And, you know, that's a very valid point that, you know, if you're hunting in, a region that you're familiar with the terrain and you're, you're, you know, relatively familiar with the elements and whatnot. And then you go somewhere, you know, halfway across the nation and it's like, everything's different. The topography is different. The, you know, the habitat here is different. And so that's one thing that I think people don't consider very often is that it's not just a different place in an area that you don't know, but it's in unfamiliar elements, which can oh, be, yeah. like you said, it makes it the stock harder. Um, like hunt some places in Arizona, like everything wants to bite you or prick you <laughs> or, you know, stick into your body. So, oh my gosh, yes. So it can make it really a challenge to not only just try to figure out where you're going to hunt, what's an over the counter if you're just doing like a general, and then like what you'll actually have access to. Do you guys use any kind of like digital scouting for that or talk to a biologist or what is your method for kind of mitigating that learning curve? 
We haven't talked to any biologists, but um, a lot of the research we did, we found, I mean, there was a lot on the internet. So um, we actually read some stuff that biologists have said about certain units. And then we use Google Maps a lot, Google Earth, and we use Onyx Maps for like all of our scouting. Um, And I know we're talking about other states, but it also, I mean, where I grew up hunting my dad would only take me to like a select few spots. And so that's all I knew. Well, when I started archery hunting, I started hunting by myself. And I was like, man, I feel like these spots that we're hunting just aren't good enough. Like we never see anything. (laughs) And if we do, it's like a tiny little forky, rarely. And so I was like, I want to start exploring on my own. And that's when I got on X maps and you know, I was actually successful that year. Um, but just exploring even new spots in your own area, that was something like, I didn't even realize that I could hunt a lot of what's around me just because I was so used to hunting the same few spots and, you know, having your eyes open to the fact that, you know, you could just hike up that giant mountain and see what's on the other side, and study the map, and see where there's water, or what the terrain looks like, how thick it is, stuff like that, and just go do it, and that's something that I was terrible at. (laughs) I started doing it, like I said, when I started archery hunting, but um, having Ryan up here, and involved in in hunting too, he is just a go-getter, and he's made me a lot better at that because he'll just be like, Hey, I want to go hike up this. Nobody else has. And so we'll just go do it. And sometimes we find like 25 sheds or, you know, we know that no one's been there and we, you know, can see that there's nice gear there. So yeah, I think just exploring and studying those maps is huge. It's really easy to get stuck into a rut of hunting the same thing. And my hands raised really high right now. Uh, because same thing for me, I grew up hunting the same unit of Eastern Oregon with my dad growing up. And it was, you know, there's so many memories there and I wouldn't change it for anything, but like we hunted the same little draws and we Mm -hmm. would hike out to the same spots. And so for me, I didn't really have my eyes open to the fact that there were other methods of like getting a lay of the land and seeing different areas. So I started using Onyx Maps as well. I love them. I am like a Waypoint fanatic. In fact, it would probably drive people crazy if they looked at my maps and going like, how do you make sense of anything? But it's nice because you can color coordinate all of your waypoints now. You can actually use like little icons depending on if it's like where you're parked or there's sheds or, you know, elk, deer, whatever, rubs, water. Um, Yeah. But I think that there's definitely some ways that you can use, you know, like digital scouting to really benefit where you go. Because, you know, for me, I would always go into the same area. But if once you pull, you know, up those layers on a map and you can actually see what that topography looks like, you can see where the tree lines are. You can see where things are more dense. You can see where waters or drainages are coming through. And you can start to look at those saddles, right? You can start to see the more obvious places where critters are likely to be moving through. Or oh, even yeah. if you're... Our, Go ahead. Our maps are exactly the same. Um, I mean, there are waypoints everywhere. <laughs> and um, But yeah, that's kind of on, a, on another note, but the same thing. Um, 
growing up, you know, since we hunted the same few spots all the time, I never even thought about or learned about uh, what direction I should be glassing or where they like to hang out during the day or, you know, being out of the wind or what they eat or the water or anything. That was never even ever in my mind. So even though I was hunting, it was kind of like, like we we're talking about earlier, like we're just going through the motions because I had no idea what I was doing. I just knew, okay, I'm following dad up this ridge and we're just going to glass and look and then leave. And, um, so throughout, you know, archery and just doing it on my own and learning more and doing more online research and podcasts and stuff like that and figuring out where the deer should actually be, that has just made even the the digital scouting just so much more interesting because before I would look at it and I'd be like, I don't know, <laughs> they could be anywhere. And now I can be like, Oh, okay. Look at this side of the mountain is shaded during the day. And, um, you know, there's a spring right there and there's no road access and, and all these different things. It's just, it's totally eye opening and it's kind of like a whole new experience. It is. It's like looking at a map and seeing houses and seeing driveways and seeing, mm-hmm. you know, all of those different things. Whereas before it can be really overwhelming to look at a map and go, I see trees yeah. <laughs> or I see hills, I see land, I see all these things. But once yeah. you can start to be able to identify those specific features, it changes the game for how you can hunt different areas where you're at, or even just getting a better perspective on the units that you're already hunting. Or even if you're talking about going to a different state and hunting as a non-resident, it'll give you that, you know, um, bird's eye approach to being able to kind of get, you know, things figured out before you actually get there. Definitely. Yeah. hundred percent agree. Another thing I really like to do is reach out to biologists. And that's something that was kind of like taught to me by my dad. He was always before every hunt, even if it was an area we knew he would call the biologist and talk about, well, what are the projections for this year and how are herd numbers and populations looking and you know, what, what kind of feedback are you guys getting? And so that's something that I do here um, before like spring bear season or if we're approaching like an archery, you know, mule deer hunt or whatever, I'll call to specific areas that I want to, that I'm interested in and I'll just pick their brains as much as possible. And I've Mm -hmm. never talked to a biologist that was like, why are you asking me these questions? They're always in Oregon and other states really open to helping and suggest areas The other nice thing about talking to biologists, um, specifically hunting species that you're not super familiar with, is that they're likely to give you lots of information on just general tactics, which is nice, Um, like where they're going to be feeding, if they're going to be super... you know, if there's a lot of water in those areas that you're hunting, you might, you know, hunting water is not going to be a super beneficial thing to do. Um, Mm -hmm. Or even like spring bear hunting, when I first started, they were talking to me about what they actually eat, you know, and where I would be more likely to find them. So I really do suggest reaching out to your local biologist through your department of fish and wildlife and picking their brain as much as possible. Because if anything else, it's a really good foundation and a place to start because it kind of narrows down the playing field on potential spots that you'll go. Yeah, definitely. Something that you said that totally stuck out too is what they're eating. That is so important. And like here we're learning 
you know, the deer don't necessarily move down, uh, you know, for the winter because of snow, because we really don't get a ton of snow here. We do, but you know, a couple feet or so and, um, you know, way up at the top, but a lot of the times they're moving down because there's just no more food up high. And we saw that firsthand this year, you know, we went up and kind of, we're just looking around and we were like, wow, remember when we were up here during archery season and there were berries everywhere and, you know, the deer were eating the berries, the bears were eating the berries and now like they're all dead. Mm -hmm. So even though it's not cold yet, it's not like freezing, there's no snow. We didn't see any deer. And so we realized like they're moving down. And so, yeah, definitely. And I've heard it on a million podcasts since then. Um, you know, the animals are going to follow the food and they need food and water. So definitely talking to a biologist and figuring out what they're eating, I think is so important. Yeah, definitely. Good stuff to think about for sure. And uh, we're going to be rolling into more of that specifically with digital scouting and all of those kind of tactics too, which is awesome. As we roll out season two, I'm stoked for this. Um, Kayla, I could sit here and talk to you and pick your brain about psychology specifically for a long time, but for those who want to reach out and connect with you to follow what you're doing and just to stay in touch, where can people reach out and connect with you? Um, Instagram and Facebook, those it's at Kayla underscore Nevious. Um, also email, I'm very open to emails. If anybody has anything they want to discuss, that's Kayla Nevious at gmail.com. And yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Well, I am putting together all of the details for the ladies weekend here at my property. That's going to be coming up in July. And I'm really hoping to have you down here because I know that there's going to be lots of ladies that would like to pick your brain on habit change and sticking with goals and all that kind of stuff. So I will be announcing all of that actually later this week. So I'll have to tune you all in to what's going on but thanks again for being on the show and for being a part of this journey and for you know just being such a positive light in the world in this community thank you Courtney I'm glad that we got to do this and I've just also enjoyed to watch your journey and your lifestyle is just amazing to watch and totally 100% real and I just totally appreciate seeing that through social media and having you spread all your positivity and and help through hunting and fitness and life. It's, it's awesome. It's my absolute pleasure. (laughs) Thanks. Well, I know I've said it before, but I want to say it again. Thank you so much for being a part of this journey with me. Every week when I come to you, I feel like you are truly on the other end, listening to the words of encouragement and advice that I have to give. And I thank you so much for being a part of that and for sharing this with me. I also want to say thank you for sharing it with others and for helping me continue to grow this vision and mission that I have for the Her Inspired brand. If you haven't already, please do screenshot the episode or your favorite episode and share it on your social media. Be sure to tag Her Inspired Journey. And again, thank you. Well, ladies, that does it for this show for today. I hope that you found some inspiration some good advice, and definitely some encouragement to take with you on the rest of your week. I'm already looking forward to coming back next week and giving you some more insight, some inspiration, and some tips on how to navigate your best life. Please be sure to hit the subscribe button and leave a review. Your feedback is so important to me. I would love to know the questions that you have 
any topics or ideas and your feedback. You are so valuable to me and I really appreciate you taking the time to leave the review and subscribe to the show. See you next week on Her Inspired Journey.